Joan by Cressida Peaver, performed by Stephanie Booth and directed by Catherine Farmer. Je m'appelle Joan. Normalement, je me lève à 7 heures. Je mange le petit déjeuner. Je nourris ma poisson s'appelle Charles. J'allais à l'école. Je rentre chez moi. Je fais mes devoirs. Finalement, mon moment préféré est quand je fais une tasse de thé pour ma mère et nous regardons la télé. Très bien, Jean, Madame says. Et maintenant, essayez de utiliser les mots de connexion pour une piste plus sophistique. Now, I would like to reply that the lack of connecting words is a stylistic choice meant to represent the repetitiveness of my daily life. But I don't know how to say that in French. And since we're only allowed to speak French in French class, we. Oui. We're supposed to be listening and learning from one another, but my French is the best, so when the next person stands up, I flip to the back of my textbook and, and go, go through, through the, the irregular, irregular verb conjugations in my head. Communal learning is an inefficient way of learning languages when there are so many apps that can progress you at your own pace. But, seeing as my presence is a legal requirement, I just do the work, keep my head down, and make sure I get the marks I need. I like French. When I speak it, things seem to crystallise, Maybe because I don't have all the words yet, so I have to say things more simply. Maybe one day I'll get to speak to an actual French person. I'm going to choose French for A-level, along with history and English. My fourth choice is still to be decided, but it needs to be something that will make me an exceptional candidate to study law at Oxford, so that one day I can defend the innocent and prosecute the guilty and also change some laws that I think aren't very fair, like the voting age which should 100% be lowered to 16, to allow young people to have a say over their futures. They don't offer law A-level at my school, so the next best option is to watch legal dramas on TV, then Google anything I don't understand. I watch them with Mum at the end of the day when we sit together and she has her cup of tea. She usually falls asleep. Sometimes she mumbles things as she dreams. I wait until after the news, and then I take her cup, wake her, and she goes to bed and we begin again the next day. It would be fair to say that we have quite a small existence. Like in the ocean of the world, our family is just one droplet flowing in and out with the rest. We don't do anything that marks us out and what we do doesn't really seem to change anything. Like, the extent of my impact on the world is that I help keep TikTok and Instagram stay in business. I'm a space filler at house parties that everyone in the year got invited to. I keep the living room slightly warmer with my body heat. It's not a profound and meaningful existence. So I get scared sometimes. At weird moments. Like... When I'm standing in line in my saggy PE kit waiting to be chosen for a netball side and the line gets thinner and thinner until the only two people left to be picked are me and Jenny, who sometimes has to use a wheelchair because of her arthritis and who I am objectively better at netball than, and the captain chooses Jenny. And in those moments, I have this deep feeling in my bones that I'm made for something, 
something big, bigger than this, and I'm terrified that I'll never achieve my raison d'etre if it's dependent on other people. That in the end, all I'll ever do is the same routine over and over, because that's all I was destined for after all. But that's not a helpful thought. I push it down. And I keep my head down. And I tell myself to keep going, keep working. That I will do well in my exams and go to the best uni and become a hotshot lawyer and then we can be the kind of family that makes a tsunami-sized splash in the ocean. And I'll buy us a house with a dishwasher and we'll order takeaway whenever we want and I'll give mum the bigger bedroom. Voila! And this is our destiny because I always work my hardest and I always do well in my exams and on Saturday, on Saturday, I will take the next step in my master plan. On Saturday, we're going to get up at our usual time and get dressed and have breakfast. But then, instead of doing any of our ordinary Saturday stuff, we're going to get in the car and we're going to drive to Oxford. Because pretty much all the lawyers I've looked up went to Oxford, so if I go there, I'll have the best chance of becoming one too. And to increase my chances of being accepted there, I have to do thorough research. So Mum switched her shifts and wrote it on the calendar to make it official. I've got it all planned out. We're going to park at the park and ride and get the bus to the city centre. Then I've plotted a walking route around the top ten colleges for law, of which seven will be open to the public, ending up at the Faculty of Law, stopping exactly halfway round to eat our packed lunch on Radcliffe Square, as the weather is predicted to be dry. As it's term time, there should be students to talk to, and maybe even some professors. I can't wait. All of this will pay off, because it has to. It just has to. It's been a great day. I got full marks on my maths test, and I scored a goal in hockey, and Mrs Dobbs even said I'd made a very original point in my essay, which is a huge deal, because Mrs Dobbs literally never says anything nice to anyone ever. So, as I walk home from school, I'm flying. I've got my swagger on, bouncing along to a tune in my head, enjoying the sunshine and gulping down the smell of fresh cut grass. And the traffic lights all change in my favour as I reach them. And there's no dog poo on the pavement the whole way. And on my road, the gang of boys isn't there to snigger at me. And when I put my key in the door, it doesn't stick like it usually does. It just swings open like a great big welcome. And mum's home sitting on the sofa with Nan. And my first thought is, oh shit, Grandpa's died. Which must show on my face because Mum says, don't worry, everything's fine. And starts flapping her hands, which usually makes things feel more stressful. Well then why are you home so early? Did you get fired? Have we been burgled? Are we being evicted? I make us all tea even though it's several hours too early. We sit in a line on the sofa in age order. Nan takes control of the situation. Your, your mum went to the doctors today. You didn't tell me you were going to the doctors. I, I didn't want you to worry. Well, now I'm worried. You would have been more worried. Hard to imagine being more worried than this. There's nothing to worry about. Then why are you both being so weird? The doctor wants your mum to take it easy for a while. 
Mum rolls her eyes and does her best to smile in a way that I think is supposed to make me feel like this is all stupid. It's not at all convincing. What exactly did the doctor say? <laughs> she said I have high blood pressure and, and I have to work on bringing it down, which shouldn't be hard at all. Mum looks at Nan like she's a kid again. Then Nan reaches over and puts her hand on my knee. She needs rest, which means we have to cancel the trip to Oxford on Saturday. We can't. That's not an option. I need to stay on track. And if we put off this weekend, we'll end up putting it off the next, and the next, and the next, and the year will slip past, and there will never be a good time, and I'll never get to do my research, and when I make my application, they'll think I won't want it enough. And if they do invite me for an interview, I'll get overwhelmed by visiting this alien place, and I won't get in, and I won't become a lawyer, and I won't change the world and our life, and we'll never have it any better than this, and... We can fix this. I tell them both. We can fix this and stick to the plan. Google will have the answer. High blood pressure. Symptoms, causes and ways to reduce it. Obviously the first thing to do is make sure that mum has a correct diagnosis because there's no point in trying to cure something she hasn't got in the first place. From the list of possible but not essential symptoms I read out, mum identifies feeling tired and occasional lightheadedness as relevant to her. Hardly conclusive. But she says the doctor did actually take her blood pressure and finds the printout slip. I punch her numbers into the online calculator. It's high. I accept there is room for improvement here. Mum confirms she is not taking any medication. She is not aware of any family history, which Nan also testifies to, and she is not exhibiting symptoms of any other underlying health conditions that can cause it. She is not over the age of 65. She is not overweight, far from it in fact when I calculate her BMI. She is not of African or Caribbean descent. She does not smoke. She does not drink too much alcohol or coffee. She does plenty of exercise. She eats lots of fruit and vegetables, although I instruct her to begin a detailed food diary so that I can be 100%. And finally, you're at an increased risk if you don't get much sleep or you react to stress in unhealthy ways. Also not an issue, so... Nan's raised her eyebrows at that one. Mum mutters something about not being stressed, but her voice quivers. She looks... It's like I'm seeing her for the first time. She looks tired. She actually has those stereotypical dark circles around her eyes. And she's slumping like a sort of floppy doll. Okay. Right. She needs more sleep and less stress. That's fine, that's good. Because of all the things on the list, that's the one that's the easiest to work on. I create a new note, Mum's day, and I tell her to talk me through everything she does each day so that we can decide which things are really necessary and which things she could stop or get someone else to do. Simple. Wake up, shower, make breakfast, make pat lunch, 
washing up, load the washing machine, travel to her morning job, work, travel to her cleaning job, work, travel to her other cleaning job, work, do the food shopping, check on Nan and Gramps, do their food shopping, make dinner, unload the washing machine, clean the kitchen, clean the bathroom, clean the living, clean... Slow down, I can't type that fast. It's a lot. I mean, on the face of it, some of those things should be delicatable, but not according to Mum. For example, food shopping. Mum usually does this on Sundays, having planned the week's meals out in her head. She buys exactly what she needs to make them and gets the best price for it all by getting certain things at Tesco and certain things at Morrison's. And if I was going to do the food shopping, she'd have to do the extra step of writing everything down for me and telling me where to get what to fit the tight budget. And the thought of that, she says, is more stressful than the actual doing of it. Plus, she doesn't want me planning and cooking our meals because that would eat into my homework time. Which is completely fine because I always get through my homework really quickly with plenty of time left to scroll through Instagram afterwards. And sometimes during. But mum says no. And no to me doing the washing up. And no to... everything. Which, TBH is a bit of a relief because every single thing on that list is shit and I don't want to do any of them. And mum shouldn't have to do them either. She ought to do something else. Find an easier job. With what qualifications or experience? And if I have to skip shifts to take interviews, then how will I pay the bills? She makes it sound like each thing is a thread of this tapestry she's weaving. And to pull on one would make the whole thing unravel. After over two hours of debating it all, the only thing Mum is prepared to give up is her Saturday evening bath, which has to stay because it's the only relaxing thing on there. Stalemate. My witness is being very unhelpful in this examination, even though I'm representing her interests. It's time to pull out the killer question. What about Dad? Mum's jaw stiffens. I know he doesn't belong in our living room, but if more money would make things easier, then maybe she ought to start asking him for some. That wouldn't make things easier, she says. The witness leaves the stand. She won't even say his name, like he's some kind of axe murderer. Maybe he is. I dig a frozen lasagna out of the freezer and put it in the oven. I try to look really casual while I'm doing it, like I can totally handle anything the kitchen has to throw at me and it's not a big deal to help out and... Oh! Got to watch what I'm doing with the knife, though. I don't think she noticed. Fifteen minutes on the clock. Enough time to see if anyone else in the world is sharing this life experience with me. Thank God for TikTok. It's a comfort that if you really use the search function properly, you can always find someone to relate to. I search for mum and housework, but it mainly returns quite basic videos about how great mums are. Kel cliché. So I'll ask the TikTokers myself. Hi, just had a... Oh, no, okay. Um, how about... Adding up all the time my mum spends cooking, cleaning and caring for free is 32 and a half hours per week. Practically a full-time job. She needs a break but won't let me help. Anyone got any suggestions? 
and I can cut that together with some clips I have of mum around the house. Hashtag mum, hashtag work, hashtag unpaid, post. Nan goes home to make dinner for Gramps, who can't really make it himself, but I can't help thinking about all the unpaid stuff Nan must have to do for him, even in retirement. And before. Because even when he was well, I never once saw Grandpa in the kitchen. He was always in his chair, which is maybe why he's stuck in it now. Before today, I was more worried about Nan and Gramps getting ill. But somehow, Mum's managed to wear her body out more than them in half the length of time. I guess she has to do twice as much being on her own. As we eat our lasagna, Mum talks at 100 miles an hour, like she wants to prove she's not as exhausted as she looks. She tells me about the failings of the new traffic light system by Tesco and the discount she haggled off her car insurance renewal and that this one house she cleans, there are hundreds of cat ornaments, all different sizes staring at me with their painted black eyes, but no actual cat. Isn't that strange? I wash up the dishes and put the kettle on. Again. Mum tries to help, but I make her sit down and pick something on TV. Not a legal drama, something she wants to watch. She flips between the channels, looking kind of lost. One hundred and fifty-two notifications from TikTok. Shit. My post must have somehow been offensive. It's the only conceivable reason that I'd have 152 to 153 notifications. Shit, shit, shit. I'm going to have to close all my social media accounts, get a new identity, go into witness protection. I've ruined my hopes of a legal career. Oh. Hang on, it's, it's actually positive, I think. Yeah, it's lots of likes. And it looks like people commenting with the number of unpaid hours they do a week. Not people, actually, specifically women. I mean, I haven't checked the gender pronouns, but from all over. Not just from school or who I know. Names I don't recognise, who've just started following me. Even this influencer I've liked for ages who... Well, never mind that now. I think I've gone viral. I do 21 hours, 35 hours, 34 hours, 29 hours, 31, 32, 37, 40. Just think of all that time. What else could you do with it? Or how much richer you'd be if you were paid for it? What a waste and why? Why? Because no one else will do because it. Because my husband works longer hours than me. Because he earns more money than <laughs> because me. Because I can't afford a cleaner. Because he's not a natural Because cook. I have to stand over him, so I may as well do it myself. Because otherwise he tells me I'm nagging. Because it's not for my kids to do. Because his mother never let him lift a finger. Because I know where everything is kept. Because he does other jobs. Because I never questioned it. Because that's just how it is. Why is that how it is? It doesn't have to be. I have this vision of this amazing vision of all the women laying down the cooking utensils and metal scourers that they're not paid to carry and leaving it to the men to look after themselves for a change. What do you think of that, TikTok? 
Suddenly I don't mind cancelling our trip on Saturday. I have a new mission. And a Facebook event to go with it. Mum objects before I even finish telling her. You can go to work, that's what I'm saying. You can do paid work. The strike is for work that's unpaid. So I wouldn't cook for you, or do your laundry, or make your pat lunch? No, you'd do whatever you wanted to do. Like what? That's up to you. Have a bath, watch TV, go for a walk, relax and concentrate on bringing your blood pressure down. All of this is more likely to send it through the roof. Mum, it's just for one day. She rolls her eyes, unconvinced. But 4,000 people on TikTok can't be wrong. And 482 marked as attending on the Facebook for the strike. A coordinated protest for women in this town, happening this Saturday. For women, because... Well, I'm sure that there are some men out there doing all this stuff for their families too. There must be. But they're not the norm. If they were, a video of a dad braiding his daughter's hair wouldn't go viral. Doubt my dad ever tried that. And round I go again. I wake up at seven. I have breakfast. Feed my fish, Charles. I go to school. I... Hey! Uh... This doesn't usually happen. Hello? Susie Rogers has those spider braids that's impossible to do on yourself. I saw about this strike on TikTok. You started it, yeah? Yeah. I think it's cool. Really? Really? Yeah. I relate because my mum does like literally all the cooking and me and my sisters have to do the washing up and my dad and my brother just do the eating and it's not fair. You're right, Susie. It's not fair. So yeah, I think it's cool. But I wanted to make a suggestion. It's my strike, Susie. Back the hell off. It would be cool if everyone got together, don't you think? On Saturday, instead of just sitting at home not doing anything, we should all like meet up on the green and hang. Okay, yeah, cool. That was weird. I don't really get why anyone would want to meet up, but I update Facebook event anyway, for Susie's benefit. And weirder still, a lot of people like it. And more people start talking to me too, in real life. They say they'll come along on Saturday and start telling me about their mums and how much they do. Even my form tutor said she'd try to be there if she could. It's crazy. What, with all this face-to-face -face interaction, the days fly and, and all of a sudden it's... It's tomorrow. I go to bed early, but I barely sleep. I drift in and out, a dream of a crowd of women all hooked up to blood pressure monitors. They raise them in the air and chant, their hearts beating so fast I can see them pushing against their chests as if they were going to burst out. Saturday. It's quiet. Mum has left a note saying she's picked up a shift and she'll see me when she finishes after lunch. Which, of course, fine. Under the rules. Paid work. Tick. I get dressed. I have my breakfast. I feed my fish, Charles. And I set out for battle. The church green leading up to the war memorial is the most central part of town. It's the place people go for a group meet-up. And as soon as the sun comes out, they flock there to have picnics or stare at raw sausages on pathetic tray barbecues. I never go there. And the closer I get, I can feel my stomach flipping over itself in the way I've heard other people say they feel before exams. 
It's just after nine. But I'm not the first to arrive. There's already a group of women settled in the middle on blankets chatting. Twelve, maybe fourteen of them. I'm stopped still, feeling like I should run in the opposite direction when one of them spots me and shouts my name. It sets them off whooping and clapping. It feels... nice. One woman, Rosa, pours me a styrofoam cup of tea from an enormous flask. They all proudly show me their provisions. Sandwiches and snack bars and punnets of fruit, umbrellas and sun cream and portable phone chargers. They're not just dropping by. More women arrive with deck chairs. One has a cool box packed with lemonade that she hands around. Soon there are 50 of us, 100, 200, more than I can count. All laughing, talking, gossiping. I can even hear a guitar being played somewhere amongst it all. It's really chill, zero bad vibes. And what's funny is that people stop talking about the reason we're all here pretty soon after they rock up. They quickly move on to the other things they have in common, like favorite bands and creative pastimes and the fact that no one they know has ever been in the fish pedicure shop on the high street where they eat dead skin off your feet and it's totally gross. Like, how do they stay in business? It's got to be a front for something. It's happening. Really happening. I see Susie, and a woman who must be her mum, and she waves to me. I share a video to let everyone know there's still time to come and join. It's only 2.30. It's 2.30 and still no word from mum. I ring her. She doesn't answer, which usually means she's held up at work. I say it's going really well, we're having a great time and just to come down when she can. And in the meantime, I get to know people. Verity is an engineering student and in her spare time volunteers at an animal shelter. Laura has two little boys and loves cooking the old Italian recipes of her ancestors. Lynn is writing a book about the effects of plastic on people's health and well-being. Gina has just started her own business and is getting married in October. Paula is a police officer and she's been stabbed on two separate occasions. She shows me the scars. I think I'm making friends. A reporter from the local paper buzzes around. She takes my photo and asks me to explain in my own words what inspired me. I just say that I want to draw attention to the issue, but she pushes me for more. You're doing it for someone special, aren't you? How will this make a difference to them? I don't say anymore. Because I know Mum would be mortified if anyone knows she's ill, and she's worried the company will let her go if they get wind of it. It's getting dark, and I still haven't heard from her. I call again, but she doesn't pick up. Worrying. I think I'd better head home. Lots of people are starting to do the same, though, just as many are unpacking tents and sleeping bags, intending to carry on through the night. The women staying call to the women leaving not to do any housework when they get home. The sound of their bantering follows me down the road as I head back. It sounds so unusual to hear women's voices like that. The streets home are eerily quiet. The houses purse the doors of their lips like they're holding secrets inside. I have DMs on TikTok from two women called at Shell88 and at Lucy Lou. 
They've been following today's strike and want to replicate it in their own towns. And beyond. They want to organise a UK-wide protest in order to make a real impact. At Shell 88 lives in London and is a freelance copy editor and has two dogs and a boyfriend who won't clean the bathroom. At Lucy Lou is originally from Birmingham, currently living in Newcastle where she's an events organiser. And they want me to be the face of the campaign. Which is... I don't know. Back home the lights are on and the sound of running water from upstairs tells me Mum's running a bath. Good. Only she hasn't been striking. Or resting. The house is spotless. My laundry is washed and ironed and put away in my drawers. Last night's dishes are clean and back in the cupboard. There's a plate of dinner on the worktop covered over with cling film and not a dirty pot or pan in sight. I eat it so it doesn't go to waste but I'm not happy about it. I wash up my plate and Mum comes downstairs, wrapped in her dressing gown. I don't even need to say anything for her to launch into excuses. I can't relax until everything's tidy and besides I find it relaxing to do it and there's nothing else to do. You should have come to the strike, Mum. It was amazing. I met such nice... I'm glad it's finished. You haven't got time for it. You have to focus on your schoolwork. I get that fear again. Suddenly. Out of nowhere. I don't usually get it at home. I... I push it down. Instead of making tea, I go to my room and reply to at Shell 88 and at Lucy Lou. Let's do it. At Shell 88 has already designed a purple e-flyer with lots of exclamation marks for everyone to share online to spread the word. Overworked and underpaid, exclamation mark. Don't stand for it, exclamation mark. We encourage women everywhere to only do the jobs they're paid for. Strike with us against women's unpaid work, exclamation mark. Followed by a link to a web page which she put together with all the key information. We decide on the last Saturday of the month to give everyone time to prepare. Mum doesn't have any social media, so... I'll tell her nearer the time. I'm getting pretty much constant stream of notifications. Likes, DMs, people hitting attend on the new event. 6.2k attending and counting. Crazy! To think of that many people all liking something that I started. I mean, some people don't like it. There are trolls who message me on TikTok and Instagram and they've even found my school email, which is creepy, though not altogether unsurprising. They mostly call me a slut, which I'm not. Then there are other people saying all oh, this is anti-feminist because women should be able to choose how they spend their time and then other people arguing with them that it's not their choice if the patriarchy is ingrained and then more people arguing back that it's like saying women have no freedom of thought and if that's the case this strike is ingrained in patriarchy too and... Well, I don't know about any of that. I just feel like I just asked the simple question and stumbled upon this massive issue that... Now I seem to be at the front of by complete accident. I mean, I'm not exactly Greta. And I think that's okay, because I really care about it. Not just because I don't want to end up older and living with a guy who won't do the dishes, but because I really think that the thing that's making Mum sick is the fact that there's no one helping her. Even if my dad were here, I don't think he'd be helping. Axe-murdering shithead. 
I go through the motions of going to school and doing my homework and getting all my regular life commitments done, but they don't seem important now. I fidget in class, desperate to check my phone. I hang around at the school gates at the end of the day so people can ask me how it's going. I can't concentrate on homework when there's way more important stuff to deal with. I'm building an army. And the army is growing every day. At Shell 88 says this is a big moment. She says I could come to London and speak at the protest in the capital. She says it's not far on the train and I can sleep on her sofa and travel back on the Sunday and then go to school as usual on the Monday. And she's right. I should be there. So I mention it casually to Mum. But I don't get very far before. You're too busy, too young. It's too expensive and dangerous. The strike is just a fuss over nothing. Wow. You don't mean that. I do. And it's pointless because it won't change anything. If I strike on Saturday, I'll just have to do twice the number of things on Sunday. And I have to do those things because I'm your mum and that's my job. I don't want to argue about it, so I'm silent. But I don't want to talk about anything else. So all of a sudden I'm silent a lot around mum. I'm so silent it feels like we're not speaking. When I get home each day I go to my room and pretend to do my homework but really I'm online. When dinner is ready mum calls up and we eat quietly. Just asking the mundane questions and always replying. Fine. I do the washing up and put the kettle on. I give mum her tea. Then I go back upstairs and catch up on what I've missed. And each day the hype is greater as everyone counts down the days. Ten days. Eight. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. I get up before Mum and have breakfast and feed Charles. I walk to the station and buy a single ticket to London using some of the money Nan gave me for my birthday, which I was intending to save for Oxford, but this is more important now. I have to wait on platform two for 14 minutes for the train to arrive. It is the third train I have ever been on and the first one I have ever taken alone and the first time I have ever been to London. But I'm not worried because I have it all planned. I will arrive at Paddington and take the Bakerloo line straight to Oxford Circus where I will find at Shell 88 by WhatsApp location drop. And then, well, I haven't planned after that, which is new for me. I don't know what will happen, or when I'll leave, or how I'll get home. I just know that I have to be there, and that's the most important thing. Guilt bubbles in my stomach thinking of Mum waking up to find me gone. But I push it down. Let the excitement take over. London is really busy. People rushed past, nearly knocking me over and almost walking into me from not looking up from their phones. We are now approaching Oxford Circus. Doors will open on the left-hand side. Uh, apologies for the delay. We'll be held due to overcrowding on the platform. Should be moving shortly. I try to check what's happening, but there's no signal or Wi-Fi, which is actually very surprising. When the train eventually squeezes into the station, I see what the driver's on about. The platform is packed with people queuing to get out. Not people, actually. To be more specific, women. 
What are they all doing? I join the crush and shuffle with them towards the exit. For what seems like ages, the crowd stands still before shuffling on a bit further and then stopping again. Shuffle, stop, shuffle, stop. Is it always like this? I ask the woman pressed against me. No, it's... She stares at me. Do I have something on my face? It's you! She hugs me, nearly lifting me off my feet. She must have me mixed up with someone. It's Joan! She shouts to everyone around us. She's here! And it's like the whole station turns towards me in one sharp movement. A cheer spreads through the tunnels and it's really, really hot. Shouts of let her through and move aside echo and the people in front of me part as much as they can for me to slip between them. Everyone's beaming at me, high-fiving, squeezing my shoulder. It's insane. And they lead me up the escalator and out of the gate and up the stairs and into the sunlight with buildings taller than I've ever seen in real life before, towering above me towards an actual real stage in the middle of the road with women packed around it. Above it is a massive screen that's split to show crowds of women in what must be other places. Oh, that's at Lucy Lou. Can she see me? Down on the stage, there's a woman who I kind of recognise from TV talking into a mic, making the crowd laugh and cheer. It's so overwhelming, I can't really focus on what she's saying, but she sees me, pulls me up with her, the crowd lifting me from behind and thrusts the mic into my hand. At Shell, 88 runs over from the side of the stage and pulls me into a tight hug. You made it! I can see thousands of women. Loads holding up phones to film me. Actual cameras too. Boom mics dotted around the front of the stage. People hanging out of their windows of the surrounding buildings. There's a helicopter above me. Upbeat music thumping out from somewhere and cheering, everyone cheering, shouting my name. Rising into the most electric silence. Where I can hear my heart pound and my breath rattling in the microphone. Breathe. Smile. Wave? That's so awkward, don't wave. I don't know what to say. Where do I even start? I... I'm getting a vision. Imagine... If I say, imagine a cleaner, or imagine a parent making their kids dinner, or imagine someone hanging the washing out, did, did you imagine a woman? I'd like to live in a world where when I say that you don't necessarily imagine a woman. So, so that if I said, imagine a doctor, you'd just as easily think of a woman. Or imagine a CEO. Or imagine a politician. Which is never going to happen if women have to use all their spare time doing the cooking and cleaning and caring. Because that means the men are free to use their spare time to get ahead. And, and even if we don't think about careers for a second and just think about the health implications... I mean, I'm not saying I'm an expert, but my... Well, I just mean in my experience, women end up eating into the time they need to rest and then it can make them ill. Because all of this unpaid work literally means that women have fewer hours in the day than men. So that we'd be at a disadvantage even if men and women were treated equally already, which we're not, so it's even worse. 
Because in our fewer hours, we have to do more than the men in the hope of equal respect and equal pay. So no wonder we don't have time to rest. And no wonder we get high blood pressure. And and no wonder you're all angry about it. No wonder you've had enough. No wonder you're here. Together. I think it's important we're together. Because if you're on your own, you think it's only me feeling like this. And it stops you saying anything. When I organised this, it was about making men sit up and realise that they need to do their share of the responsibility. But I think it's now also about women supporting each other better. We can ask each other for help, give ourselves a break, do what's really important to us and not just what we're expected to do. And that can't just be for today. It has to be for tomorrow and the next day and the next and on and on until we live in a world where we're equal. Until we live in the world we want. They look like they're clapping, cheering, but all I can hear is my blood charging through my ears. At Shell 88 lifts up my hand in hers as if I've just won an Olympic medal. And then, no pay, no way. The words come to me out of nowhere like someone else put them in my mouth. No pay, no way. The crowd picks it up, chanting together. No pay, no way. No pay, no way. Fists drumming the air in rhythm, slow motion. And then everything moves faster than I can keep up with. I moved through the crowd with At Shell 88 and two other women who spend the whole time on the phone and speaking on retro walkie-talkies. I take selfie after selfie after selfie, sign women's arms with permanent markers, pose with children, endorse people's products, a smoothie, an energy bar, a breast pump, uh, I, I don't know what that is. I sign t-shirts with my picture on, which is weird because it's my profile picture of me standing with mum at the fun fair last year which they shouldn't be using at all because legally it's my copyright. And they've cropped mum out of the picture so that the only bit of her you can see is her fingertips on my arm as she squeezes me into her. And now I really look, I can see the picture everywhere, on flags and placards and hoodies, all just me and mum cut out. The energy changes. It tightens. The camaraderie has turned aggressive somehow. I'm jostled, pulled in all directions, and I can't see above the crowd. One woman takes me by the arm and is talking at me at a million miles an hour, saying I'm right to call out the women who waste their lives cleaning up after their husbands and kids and never doing anything meaningful, and I want to say that's not what I'm doing, but I feel overwhelmed, so I just sort of nod at her and smile awkwardly, and the people around push closer to me, and I need some air. I can't breathe. Walkie Talkie 1 says arrests are being made on the south side of the crowd. At Shell 88 steers me back to the stage, the centre of our battleground. From the platform, we see uniforms closing in and some women being bundled into the back of police vans. Mad. If I get arrested, Mum will be even more furious. They can't arrest all of us, right? They don't have the resources. And so long as we're peaceful, they don't have grounds to arrest us anyway. I learned that from Law and Order. Though it doesn't look so peaceful. There's lots of shoving, frantic arm movements, red faces from bellowing. At Shell 88 gets someone with an acoustic guitar on stage to sing a chill song and bring the tension down a bit. Walkie Talkie 2 films me. Keep calm and stay peaceful, protesters, for our social channels.
but other people have posted footage of the clashing and that's getting more traction. It's so hostile. I don't feel safe. Is this how change happens? It's mum. Don't let them get to you. We have every right to... What was that? Did someone just throw a brick at me? Jesus fuck! I want to go home. There's a full-on brawl starting. A tangle of bodies and raised arms in the middle of the crowd that explodes out like a mushroom cloud. People screaming, shoving, trying to get away or closer. Shrill whistles and war cries and such fury, such epic fury, boiling over, drowning everything around it, flowing out and down the connecting streets, toppling people, overturning parked cars, smashing shop windows and carrying away the contents. Fury, washing the city clean, bellowing for the world to be better, for the world to see us, to hand back the treasures it stole from us, to beg for forgiveness, to ask us to hold it and for us to say no, we don't owe you that. And right now I've got my own agenda, now move out of my way. We bellowed, we bellowed! And then I'm at at Sheld 88's flat. Heartbeat in my eyelids and my veins frothing. I should be out there still. I don't care if it's not safe. That's just what they want us to feel and we can't listen. We. She shakes me. Listen. And puts the news on her laptop. They show video footage of women throwing things at police and making aggressive gestures at the camera. Of people covered in blood, hobble running towards ambulances of gas being thrown into crowds and women practically tearing their eyes out and a clip of someone shouting, screaming, actually, and... It's me. That's me. And I look fucking terrifying. I make tea, even though it's not my house because it's calming. We sit on the sofa, clutching our mugs, hunched over the laptop. There's an interview with a man who works in the city and has been having to look after his kids all weekend and is facing the prospect of the same again tomorrow. His working reputation is being damaged already by his wife's refusal to take responsibility for the childcare over the last few weeks and will put his career at risk if it continues. He finds it especially baffling given that he is the breadwinner and feels his earnings are his contribution to the family structure. Then there's a clip of me with that woman talking at me about meaningful work. Then there's a clip of a woman at home saying she's insulted by my comments and she was put on this earth to be a mother and if that's what makes her happy then no one else has any right to comment. And, and then... It's mum. I'd better... Hello? That's not fair. You can't really believe that gender roles bullshit. If you did, you wouldn't give a shit about me doing my homework and getting good marks and going to uni. I could just quit school like you and get a cleaning job and get pregnant. You mean that's how it will always be for you, but I'm actually going to do something with my life? Fuck. At Shell 88's dogs paw at their bowls. 
She feeds them and tries to order pizza for us, but they say they're not delivering, what with the carnage outside, so we have to have dry cereal. She talks at length about how she might split up with her boyfriend, and then ends up describing in great detail how she pictures their wedding. I'm struggling to keep my eyes open. I'm exhausted now. I'm... I feel like I've slept for a week. I lost the day somewhere, and I'm not sure where. I should be at school. I should, in fact, be in my French class, reading out my homework, a paragraph about my last holiday, avec plus de mots de connexion, to keep Madame happy. Instead, I'm tucking into another bowl of dry cereal in a studio flat somewhere in South London I've never heard of, as at Shell 88 does something furiously on her laptop. She turns it round to show me. A woman in a sharp suit with cropped hair vlogs. It's high-end vlogging, with a big screen behind her showing moving charts and infographics. A red line on the graphic rises steadily as she speaks. She says, What we're seeing already is a rise in demand for what have typically been poorly paid roles, such as cleaning and catering. She says, Women's refusal to carry out these jobs for free at home has seen an unprecedented level of demand for these services over the last few weeks, with many companies operating long waiting lists. Cuts to a woman in an apron-y thing who says, Well, before, I charged around £15 an hour for a home clean. Now I've got more requests than I can manage and I'm charging £40 an hour so I can spend more time with my kids. Cut back to... As these traditionally poorly paid roles rise in value, they could become some of the most sought-after positions, with salaries to match. The strike has the power to really disrupt the wealth gap in this country long-term. My mouth drops open and I lose most of my cereal. Brilliant. It's brilliant. It's actually making a difference. So we can't stop now. This is going to change everything. I'm going to make sure my mum is finally paid what she deserves. She'll be able to cut back her hours, have more choice over when she works, put her feet up more often, get rest, get well. In what seems like no time at all, I'm pushing my way through the crowd again to climb up onto the stage. It's not quite as busy today. According to TikTok, lots of women have gone to do their paid 9 to 5s before heading back here after. But the vlog analytics are trending and people aren't giving up. And there are plenty of women who've rocked up again to keep the flag flying. Literally, a bunch of them have made flags with the words from the chant, No pay, no way. The buzz is unreal. And I'm in the zone. I've got cameras on me from all angles and it's never felt so natural. I'm working the crowd, making them laugh, feeling the love. I banter with bloggers and feed juicy quotes to journalists and there's the taste of such promise. It feels like this really could go on forever. I want to speak to every single person to prove to myself it's not a dream. Roz, the accountant, and Mabel, the wig maker, and Tonya with the floral tattoo sleeve, and Hallie, who's just had an ovary out, and Layla, who paints chickens on stop signs in the middle of the night. All these amazing women. I want to meet them all. Hi, Hi. I'm, I'm Joan, Joan and... Sorry, Sorry one second. Weird. Nan? A 
I take the Baker Loon line back to Paddington where I buy a single ticket home with the last of my savings. I have to wait for nine minutes before they give the platform number and when it comes up everyone runs to the arriving train to try and get a seat for themselves and their bags. I'm running too but I feel like I can't move fast enough. As the train bolts from the city I leave behind all of the things I've cared about so much over the last few weeks. The strike. The publicity. The following. As if my heart is a suitcase I've forgotten to close and all the clothes are spilling out onto the tracks behind me. It's all my fault. My phone runs out of battery, overloaded with messages asking where I am and what's going on and is that a video of me leaving real? I don't care. It's another world already. From the station I get the bus and after 11 stops it reaches the hospital and I run across the car park and through the automatic doors and there's no time to wait for the lift so I take the stairs, two at a time, level one, two, three, a maze of a corridor, left, right, left, left, through the swing door and the nurse points me towards the door on the left and on the other side of it... Mum's sitting up in bed. And she looks like herself. Exactly the same, only in a hospital gown now. She smiles. I can't help it. I have hot tears rolling down my cheeks and splashing onto the floor. The relief. Thank God. Thank God. A reporter tailed me as I left London splashed a front page about how I'd nearly killed my mum, called me a disgrace and rounded it all up with some quotes from girls at school who'd never really liked me saying I was weird and stuck up and a hypocrite. I'm really impressed that those girls know how to use the word hypocrite. The following day a different paper ran a double-page spread with three men all claiming to be my dad. No axe murderers, but all complete dickheads. Mum assures me it's none of them. I wouldn't judge her if it was. Although she has joked about selling her story to the Daily Mail and living off the proceeds. I told her she's well within her rights to. But I'm really glad she's joking. Trial by the media. Not exactly a fair one, though. They've already decided my fate. Had to delete all my social media because of constant hate spam. Although I did get a text from Susie about getting a milkshake when I'm able to leave the house. And I got in big trouble for skipping school. But I'm allowed to stay at home anyway now as there are so many reporters camping outside the house that I can't exactly leave. Today is the third day of this. When I wake up I do not open the curtains. I get dressed. I feed my fish Charles, who thankfully did not die while I was in London as Mum took over feeding duties. While I was in London, Mum took over everything duties. That's what gave her the heart attack. She said it's because she wanted the max number of cleaning shifts whilst wages were high, but I know it was my fault. As I head downstairs, I notice a piece of paper lying on the doormat. Looking at it makes my knees wobbly on the last few steps. It says, SUBMIT in bright red capital letters. I feel sick. 
I want to open the door, say whatever it is they want to hear and make all of this stop, but... That vision of fair pay and shared workloads and mum getting the all clear. That's worth any kind of shit they throw at me. I get my own fat red marker and write no pay, no way in big letters across multiple sheets of paper and tape it to the inside of my bedroom window facing out onto the street. Joan! Mum stands in the middle of the living room. She's drawn the curtains and is staring out. Smoke is belching against the glass, flames sprouting from somewhere beneath it, from a dustbin. Someone's put our bin outside our window and set it on fire. And in case their meaning wasn't clear enough, they spray-painted my name on the side. We both just stare. Even though we can't feel the heat, my face is burning. I'm so sorry, Mum. She puts her arm around me. It'll die down. My stomach flips as I notice she's holding a letter. More hate mail. She catches the look on my face. Two months sick pay to make sure I come back when I'm better. <laughs> That's good. The bin is now dribbling black tears where the plastic has started to melt. They're stupid if they think fire will stop what you've started. I'm so proud of you, Joan. I hug Mum tight to my side and we watch the fire. It's beautiful in a weird way. Magnifique. When the smoke starts to ease, we can see the paparazzi through the other side. In a few minutes, the internet will be ablaze with photos of my head engulfed in flames. There's a legal argument that photographing me in my home is an infringement of my privacy, but that's not my main concern right now. Should we do something? Yeah. Put the kettle on, love. 